the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Let me make it real practical for you. Just give you a few suggestions. You want his will to be done in your life? Then make a decision to give him the first hour of your day. What if the first thing you did every day you wake up is just give an hour to God? Give him your best. Spend time with him. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Good morning, church. Welcome to worship. Do me a favor, welcome those that are not in this particular room. Maybe they're joining us online. Welcome. Or they're at one of our other campuses, or they're viewing or listening to this somewhere down the road. Would you just welcome them into this time, into God's Word? Sometimes you have to make sure that you're putting first things first. Heard about this guy that wanted a pet, so he went to the pet store. And he saw the perfect pet, a parakeet, sitting there in his cage. And he asked the owner of the pet store, does this bird talk? And the owner said, well, absolutely he talks all the time. He said, great, I'll take him. How much is he? He said, $10. He said, wow, that's amazing. I'll I'll take that parakeet. And he said, oh, but you're going to need a cage. He said, yeah, yeah, of course. How much is the cage? He said, $25. I said, wow, well, that's still not bad. $35 for all of that. I'll take it. I can't wait to get home and hear him talk. He bought the bird. He bought the cage. He went home. And for a whole day, not one sound. That bird didn't talk. So we went back to the owner of the pet store. He said, hey, man, I bought this bird. I bought the cage. He hadn't said a word. What's up? He said, you mean to tell me he got on that swing and he didn't say anything? And the guy said, wait, wait a second, what, what swing? He said, oh, you've, you've got to get this swing if you want him to talk. He said, well, how much is a swing? He said, $10. He said, give me the swing. Took the swing home, he put it in the cage. For a whole day, he watched that bird swing, but not a peep. Not a sound came out of that bird's beak. And so the next day he went back to the pet store. He said, what gives, man? This bird hadn't said anything. He said, you mean to tell me that he sat on that swing and looked in the mirror and he didn't say a word? He said, excuse me, what mirror? He said, oh, he likes to sit on the swing and then look at the mirror. You got to buy the mirror. He said, how much is the mirror? He said, $10. He said, give me the mirror. So he bought the mirror, he went home, put it in the cage, the bird sat on the swing, he looked in the mirror, not a peep. Next day, he went back to the pet store, you know how this is going to go. He said, this bird ain't talking, 
what's the deal? He said, you mean to tell me he sits on that swing, he looks in the mirror, and then he climbs that little ladder, and he doesn't say a word. He said, you haven't said anything about a ladder. He said, oh, you've got to have the ladder. He said, how much? He said, $10. He said, give me the ladder. He went home, he put the ladder in, the bird sat on the swing, he looked in the mirror, he climbed the ladder. You guessed it, not a peep. Next day, he went back to the pet store. (laughs) He said, he's not saying anything. The owner said, you put that little parakeet on that swing. He looked in the mirror. He climbed that ladder, and he rang the bell, and nothing happened. He said, you didn't say anything about a bell. He said, oh, you got to have the bell. He said, how much? $10. Give me the bell. He takes the bell home. He puts it in the cage. The bird sits on the swing. He looks in the mirror. He climbs a little ladder. He rings the bell. He says something, and then he flops over dead. Next day, he took his dead bird to the pet store. He said, man, I put this parakeet on the swing. He looked in the mirror. He climbed the ladder. He rang the bell. He said a few things, and then he just dropped over dead. I want my money back. He said, well, what did he say? He looked me in the eyes and he said, they don't have any bird food at that pet store. (laughs) Sometimes you got to put first things first. And so the disciples came to Jesus. It's recorded in Luke 11, 1. They're asked, teach us to pray. So Jesus said, and we have it recorded in Matthew 6 as well as Luke 11, when you pray, then pray in this way. And we've been talking about the first things that Jesus said as he taught us to pray. He began with our position in prayer. We are God's children. We come as members of his family. Then he talks about God's perspective as we pray. He is our Father who is in heaven. He he is the one who was. He is. He forevermore will be. So he sees things differently than we do. He sees with great perspective. And then we begin to make our petitions in prayer. And last week we learned that first request, that first petition that Jesus taught us to pray. He said, when you pray, pray our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Cause your name to be hallowed. Cause your name to be sacred. Have you prayed that this week? Have you prayed that God's name would be great, that his name would be sacred in your life? This is the key that unlocks the power to everything else in prayer. Because when you pray that God's name is sacred, then you're positioning yourself to live as a citizen of his kingdom. You're setting yourself up to live according to his will, to have your daily needs met, to have your sins forgiven, to be delivered from the evil one. Oh, But you have to begin in that right way. You have to put first things first. In these next two petitions, Jesus continues in that frame. He focuses us first with these three petitions on the glory of God, and then we turn to the needs of man. And so I want you to get one overarching truth as we dive in today. You cannot effectively ask for God's provision or protection in your life until you first acknowledge his rule and his reign in your life. 
And that's clear by the way Jesus taught us to pray. Matthew chapter 6. He said, and when you pray in this manner, therefore pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses or our debts as we forgive our trespassors or our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Today we focus on three phrases. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Now when you hear those three phrases, there are three things that jump out to you that may be surprising. The first one is this, God's kingdom hasn't fully come. Now, if you don't dig in deeper, that may be confusing because you think, wait a second, isn't God king today? Isn't Jesus the king of kings right now? What does it mean that his kingdom hasn't fully come? Second thing I hear when I hear Jesus teach us these words is I hear that his will is not always done. And that can be surprising too. Doesn't God always get his way? Isn't he a sovereign God? Isn't his will always accomplished? And then there's that third phrase. On earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is teaching us that we can experience a bit of heaven here on earth. Isn't that exciting? Isn't it great to know that that which we long for, we may live out even in our current existence? I want to unpack these, but in order to understand this, we need to seek him in prayer. I'm going to invite you to stand with me as we pray. And perhaps if you feel so led, you would just stretch out your palms and stand open-handed. We're asking God to teach us, to speak to us, to fill us today. And maybe as we get to the end, you might join me in that model prayer, our Lord's Prayer, just as he taught his disciples. Let's pray together. So, Father, you are in heaven, and you see what we do not see. And that gives us great comfort. And that also causes us to live with a sense of conviction because you know our darkest secrets. So God, here's our desire today. Cause your name to be holy in this place. Cause your name to be holy in our lives so that your kingdom might fully come and your will might be realized in us. So yes, Lord, teach us those things we don't know. Give us those things we don't have. Conform us into the Imago Day that you created us to be, the image of God. Make us more like you, Christ. Lord, I pray that my words and my thoughts would be pleasing to you. God, I pray that this would be the day of salvation for someone. That in your sovereignty, you would call someone to come into your kingdom and to live under your rule and reign. 
And then, Lord, I pray specifically for that person that is struggling with your will. May this be a day of divine acceptance. So, Lord, as we continue, teach us to pray, even as you taught your disciples when you prayed. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. Remember that one thing. You cannot effectively ask for God's provision or his protection until you first acknowledge his rule and accept his reign in your individual life. So there's two parts of that, and I want to divide those as kind of our secondary themes today. Here's the first one. God desires that we acknowledge his sovereignty. If you're a parent, you understand this in in a bit. Because you've had those moments where you walk into the room and your child is so obsessed with what they're doing, they're not really even aware of your presence. Or maybe in a workplace, you've walked into a a group of co-workers and and you feel like they don't see you. Or in the classroom with fellow students, you want to be a part of things, but you're not recognized. You're not acknowledged. God wants us to acknowledge him, and he wants us to acknowledge his sovereignty. To understand that, you have to look a little bit beyond our culture here in the U.S. In fact, I heard about a pastor who was visiting the U.S. for the first time. And as he was visiting from England, his host decided to educate him on our history And they began to take him in New England to some of the sites of the Revolutionary War. He went into a store and he saw several signs that contained the slogans or the mottos of those days. Slogans like these, no taxation without representation. And then he saw one that says, don't tread on me. And then he saw a sign that really disturbed him. It said, we serve no sovereign here. You see, our nation was founded really with a pushback away from the sovereignty of the royal family of England. 
And so from our foundation, this culture, the one so many of us were born into and that we're all living in today, has at its core this desire to not acknowledge any sovereignty in our lives. That pastor said that when he saw that sign, he realized that ultimately the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ would have a hard time being absorbed into the hearts and minds of the men and women of the United States of America. You see, at the core of acknowledging the sovereignty of God is the question of who's sitting on the throne in our individual lives. There is in every heart a throne. And perhaps you're sitting on your throne. Someone suggested if we're sitting on the throne in our lives, then Jesus is still on the cross. If Jesus is sitting on the throne, then we've taken up our cross. Who's sitting on the throne in your life? What was Jesus saying when he began to talk about the kingdom? Jesus was crying out to the Father that his kingdom might come in fullness. And this idea of the kingdom of God is seen all throughout the New Testament. You can't read about Jesus without hearing about the kingdom of God. 157 times in the New Testament, you have this principle of the, the kingdom of God. What is this? It's just what it means, what it sounds like. The governance of God, the administration of God. I like to think of it this way, the rule and the reign of God. So who's king of your heart? In our country, though we pushed back, we're fascinated by the royals. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? So if there's a royal wedding, we want to watch it. If there's a royal funeral, we're looking at the pomp and the circumstance. In fact, I love visiting the city of London, and one of my favorite things to do is to stand and to look at the royal palace, Buckingham Palace. One of my favorite pictures ever of my wife and I is when we're sitting on a seesaw right in front of Buckingham Palace. And you can look at that picture and see the person that is heavier in that picture very, very clearly. Um, why this obsession with the royals? I think it's because of this reality that we were created by the king to be a part of his kingdom. We have this longing within us, a, a longing that can only be met when Christ is on the throne of our heart. So the kingdom of God, as one person has said, is God's people in God's place under his rule and his blessing. And yet since Genesis 3, we've seen this battle of the kingdoms, right? Adam and Eve are born into this kingdom of God, the kingdom that is known as Eden, but because of the fallen angel, Satan, in the form of a serpent, Adam and Eve give in to temptation, and they sin, and you see the battle begin. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of man, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of heaven. And ever since Adam and Eve, every one of us and everyone that's ever been born, were born into this kingdom of this world, separated from God. We're kingdoms in conflict. That's why we struggle. There's chaos around us. That, that's why we have division, because our heart is telling us to go one way and our, our mind is saying, no, try this other way. 
And you see that throughout history, even throughout biblical history. In 1 Samuel in chapter 8, God has been the king of his people representing himself through the prophets, right? And yet the people cry out to God and what do they ask for? They ask for a king. We want a king just like everybody else. And you and I, that's what we do. We, we long for something other than God to be in control, to be the sovereign in our life, whether it's another person or our relationship or our career, our acceptance, our approval, or just ourself. And yet through all this, God is declaring his kingship. Listen to Psalm 47 too. For the Lord most high is awesome. He's a great king over all the earth. And then it says in Psalms 146.1, I will extol you, O my God, O king. I will bless your name forever and ever. So all throughout the Bible is this story of God's desire to rescue us from this kingdom of darkness, this kingdom of this world, the kingdom of man, and to take us into his kingdom, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. We call that the grand narrative. And the good news is, like all good stories, we know how it ends, right? We've read the back of the book. So in the book of the Revelation, in chapter 1 and verse 4, John says, Grace to you and peace from him, that's Jesus, who is and who was and who is to come, from the seven spirits before the throne, from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over what? All the kings, the kings of the earth. And then in Revelation 17, in verse 14, it says, These will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them, for He is Lord of lords, and He is King of kings. And then in the last chapter of the book, as we hear it sung in in that great musical masterpiece, Handel's Messiah, what does it say? And He shall reign forever and ever the kingdom of God. And so in the New Testament, it gets real. We're first introduced to John the Baptist. And what does he say? Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And all throughout the ministry of Jesus, you see this desire that we become a part of his kingdom. So John the ba- or, or John in three, Nicodemus comes to him and says, Jesus, how, how do I get into this kingdom? And Jesus says, you you have to be born again into the kingdom. You have to come into my family. And so all throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus inaugurating or beginning this kingdom. And yet he doesn't consummate or end the kingdom. So this kingdom of God is kind of strange. It's, It's an already and a not yet right? Think of it this way. You've heard perhaps if you've been in church that when we talk about being saved, salvation in our Christian life, really it's referred to in three phases, right? I was saved as a child. That's my salvation. I am being saved even as a man. I'm becoming more like Jesus. That's my sanctification. And one day I what? I will be saved 
when I spend eternity with God in heaven. That's my glorification. And in the same way, we see Jesus saying, hey, the kingdom of God has come, and yet we should pray that the kingdom of God will come. He's teaching us that we can live as citizens of the kingdom while at the same time crying out for the king to come. So what would it look like when the king comes? Well, the miracles of Jesus are snapshots of the coming kingdom because they're snapshots of heaven, right? In heaven, there won't be death. In heaven, there won't be sickness. Joni Erickson Tata broke her neck in a diving accident and she became a quadriplegic. She talks about the many discouragements that she faced, but she said one of her most depressing thoughts was when she began to realize that she could no longer kneel in prayer. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.